This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, this episode is brought to us by that union via our submissions at digmeoutpodcast.com. It's a poll episode. Nine albums in the hopper. One gets picked. That's how it works. And uh, going into this poll, Jay, did you look at any of the names and go, I think that might be it. You don't have to say which ones they were, but did you have like a, oh, that's going to be the one? Or was this a little bit too up in the air? This was uh, up in the air for me. Okay. How about you? Uh, There was one I thought was going to win, and I'm surprised that not only did it not win, but it didn't even finish. I guess it got third, but... Let's get into it. Let's talk about the albums picked for this roundtable, the poll for this roundtable. The uh, always dependable Richard Waterman submitted a uh, suggestion for this one. Here's to the Losers by Love Jones. Eric Peterson, Twisted by Delamitri. Willie Dillon suggested The Answers by Blue October. Kyle Bittner, Up to Our Hips by The Charlatans. David Haverland, In Passing by The Farewell Band. Tom Rimmel, Filth Pig by Ministry. Tad suggested Little Blue Crunchy Things, uh, their album Rhetoric. Scott Neiman suggested the album In Place of Real Insight by Karate. And the one that I thought was going to win was Darren Lehman's pick, the self-titled album by Social Distortion. I thought because we had never really come close to doing a social. I don't even know that we really talked about Social Distortion that much. Not much. No. I thought that this might be the winner. Yeah, I could see that. But I was wrong. It fits the. Uh, it was it was big at the moment. They were mm-hmm. they had a prior history and a fan base, and then it. I don't know. I guess disappeared. Social D, at least, at least from the like from the mainstream. Yeah, they yeah. Stay, in, the stay relevant the way that like Green Day, yeah, or even the Offspring did. It, it was a an interesting story. From like they were underground, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, became super mainstream, and then just faded back into the underground again. Yep. I think they had a last hurrah with um, there was a song used in a not great Vince Vaughn. Um, I guess it's a rom-com, The Breakup. Do you remember that movie? I do. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. I remember that was a while a, back, right? Yeah. I remember it being a big deal at the time because it was like. It's, Vaughn was at like the top of the like Wedding yeah. Crashers era. Yep. And uh, I remember being kind of dark in places. It's kind of a messed up movie. It's like funny, but also kind of dark comedy. Anyway, that song was used in the, all the trailers. Um, Ball and Chain. Yeah. So here's how the vote shook out for this particular poll. Social D did not win. They came in third with 18% of the vote. Behind the charlatans up to our hips with 21%. That did not take it either. The winner of this very close poll was Karate Karate 
in place of real insight. Had you listened to karate before, Jay? No, had you? No, but I knew the name. Mm-hmm. They were there was a number of bands that were underground in the mid 90s that I did not get into yet, like Aloha and yeah. this band and some other ones. Some we've now gotten into or we've listened to like Slint. Um, but I knew that they were sort of like in that ballpark, but I never listened to them at the time. And they were on a fairly small label. Yeah. Um, in, in the same way that like, you know, Death Cub started on a very small label, Bar Suck Records out in, out in Washington. Um, so some of the other uh, vote getters, uh, Ministry's Filth Pig actually did okay, came in fourth place. And then um, Delamitri and Blue October tied with 9%. Love Jones and Little Blue Crunchy Things tied with 3%. And then, unfortunately, the Farewell Band Bend did not get uh, any votes. So what's, what's, the, what's the folks talking about there? What's the Patreon folks saying about this? Well, Eric Peterson didn't even vote for his pick. He voted for Social Distortion instead of Delamitri. Um, Kyle Bittner went with the Charlatans. Uh, Keith Badge went with um, Blue October. Scott, I guess that's Holgram, went with Love Jones. Um, Adam Rogan went with, I think, Ministry. Uh, Jeremy Amend, nope. He went with, um, he said, I want a Charlatan's episode, but not this album. Social D will probably win, but I'm rooting, rooting for Ministry. And then he was happy that Karate ended up winning. Um, I believe that uh, Vadim Taver went with Karate as he did. Scott Witt went with Delamitri. Gavin went with Karate. He said, just to have some more of this style of music getting reviewed, I like Social D, but they're an 80s band. And when Filth Pig was released, I really wanted to love it, but I just, but it's just too muddy. Um, Sean Brown said, this one hurts a bit. Not only do I have to pass on Social D, but I have the dubious task of having to vote for this Delamitri album instead of their previous, even lesser known, but far more brilliant, Change Everything, which I've suggested multiple times, but never seems to get picked. Yes, I'm bitter. Uh, you have to try again. Uh, Jeff Gentiswood said I voted for Karate because I just heard about them from Ian Cohen and was intrigued. I'm not sure if I want my early 90s impression of the charlatans changed. <laughs> um, Willie Dillon went with Blue October. And then Jeremy got upset because the charlatans were possibly going to win. Um, Justin Wexler missed the vote, but he was going to vote for Karate. Uh, he says, I know a lot of people love them, but I will go on record as saying, I only really like this record. Their earlier stuff is okay. Their later stuff got too corny with the bluesy riffs. Good news if you're a fan because Numero Group is reissuing their entire catalog. So I don't know if people know Numero Group is a it's entirely just a reissue label out of the Midwest. I'm not sure exactly where I think they might be located out of Chicago, but they have done some fantastic reissues of Ohio music, um, specifically soul and R&B and funk that is completely unknown from the 60s and 70s and either doing compilations of just seven inches from these bands or putting out entire um, albums like there's a band from Columbus called the Four Mints who are sort of in the vein of like the Temptations or, um, you know, Four Tops, something like that. 
um, a lot of very ballady soul stuff. And they their album was impossible to get. And they found the masters at a Columbus recording studio and were able to get it completely remastered and re-release it. And it's a really great record. But there's a ton they do that stuff for all over the Midwest. And I think they've hit stuff all around the country, to be honest, because this karate stuff, karate is from Boston originally. Um, Patrick Testa said, Love Jones was a great idea for a choice. I've never heard a song by karate. Um, I agree that Del Mitri would be a good one. Um, and I'm a solid pig, a fan of Filth Pig. I don't, so I don't know who he voted for. Um, Darren Leach said, I saw the Charlottes Live about five years ago, and they're brilliant. I didn't know much apart from the few singles, but they played a funky set. Side note, I have to say that Karate as a band name is quite daft. <laughs> okay. Hey, what does that word mean? <laughs> daft? I'm going to have to Google that. I mean, daft. <laughs> daft means foolish. Okay. It's a I mean, obviously, I've heard it, but not quite in that context. Right. Foolish. Okay. It's foolish. F -f -f foolish. Let's get to this album, Jay. Well, let's talk a little history first. Uh, the, like I mentioned, the band was from Boston. History of the band. Here we go. Jeff Farina vocals on guitar. Iman Witt bass. Gavin McCarthy drums formed in 1993. They put out a seven inch within the year. And then um, at this point, um, Jeff Goddard joined on bass. So Iman Witt moved to second guitar. So this is like their full lineup now four four piece, two guitars. Um, they put out a self-titled full length on Southern records and This was the follow-up, 1997's In a Place of Real Insight, the one that we're talking about. After this, um, Wit departed the band. So they changed the lineup after this. So this is the, the four-piece lineup for the band. Um, and it was released, as I mentioned, on Southern Records. And... Trying to remember when the rest is. Hold on one second. Lost the uh, the Wikipedia page just uh, disappeared on me. Pardon me. While we fix our error here on the in the studio. <laughs> Karate band information. There we go. Yikes! So the self title came out in '96. This comes out in '97. It's followed by the album. The Bed is in the Ocean, also on Southern Records in 1998. So three albums in three years from this band. Then they take a little bit of a break. In October of 2000, they release the Unsolved CD and Double LP. And then in October of 22, 2002, they released Some Boots. And then 2004, the album Pockets. They also released a live album on Southern Records in 2007 called 595. There were a number of seven inches and splits and in eps because that's what indie bands did at the time lots of splits and eps in the 90s yeah early 2000s also on foreign record labels like in the netherlands and places where you have to track them down on discogs now however as we mentioned the numero group is re reissuing uh the first two albums and single 
And Stereo Gum has reported this year that the band is reuniting for their first live tour in 17 years. Wow. 17 years. Could you imagine reuniting to play music 17 years after you hadn't played it? Well, (laughs) Jay, it just so happens I do practice my bass riffs every day. So which well, band are you talking about? Is that the one you're talking about? Or are we going to reunite Catherine Wheel? Because I know those bass riffs too. <laughs> I'm just saying, Rob, you need a bass player. You know, give me a ring. Uh, that's it. That's it. The history of the band. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about In Place of Real Insight by Karate. Despite not being familiar with the band's catalog history, I really felt like I was hearing something with a historical, I guess, context or like I could hear where they had evolved as musicians, the styles they had interpreted and probably played because there's, yes, there are stylistic things here that, you know, spark, you know, thoughts of hardcore, but there's also a ton of craft and technical ability that start to tell a story about playing a lot um, and playing probably different kinds of music uh, and playing a lot together. So I, I just thought it was really interesting without having any context prior to the band, as I'm listening to this, I'm able to start to, I guess, just, hear uh, maybe them maturing um improving changing evolving creating something new despite never hearing anything prior i think that was that's a pretty uh interesting thing to be able to do you know on a record to kind of bring that uh context and and sort of have it be more than what's just presented on the surface uh, musically, the other thing I liked is that uh, they use a ton of restraint. It's very sophisticated in terms of dynamics. The they really play, I think, the a full spectrum of volume and intensity. Uh, I, they pull back just a, a little bit. Like you never get a full on like distorted guitar just you know all all out heavy compression noise but you know it gets more intense but i think one of its most interesting is when it's in this middle space of using dynamics of playing together really tight accenting with these evolving guitar parts and bass parts um really you know interesting drumming that's got a lot of accents and just creating this i think this undulating changing you know song structures that just continue to play with dynamics the whole time using space a lot you know knowing when not to play or when to hold back or pause it it just feels really sophisticated um like it took a while to get to this place potentially uh, this particular sound which i which i loved um there's just a with repeated lessons, you know, it really kind of continues to pull you in for the, because of that. Yeah. And the surface, you don't, 
quite get everything that's going on. And when you listen to it in different speakers, different headphones, different environments, different situations, it hits you in different ways because of all of that. I think sophistication there around the dynamics of how to play together and play softer, play more intense, play with more space, break up rhythms. I think the last thing that really I enjoyed was when they evolved a bit past the post hardcore, you know, jagged kind of angular chords, um, shouted vocals and they started to bring in some flavors that i guess i would only describe as maybe like surf rock or vibe a song like new martini and i think die die is the other one where they have these really interesting they're based on these really interesting guitar melodies that work like vocal lines uh and i can only describe them as being surf vibe <laughs> uh you know i, I guess the r- rhythm wise it, it's it's you know different it's more of a 90s rock hardcore kind of vibe but there's something about the way the guitars are approached in that that just reminded me of of guitar surf music because it's so melodic and the guitars you know playing the line of the vocal or the role of the vocal in those moments too which i enjoyed um because it it just keeps you guessing and that's one of the both in terms of stylistically but also dynamics and time signatures and rhythms and things like that so yeah a lot to pull apart here um and the more and more you listen to it but i'm a big fan of you know using restraint and really pushing dynamics you know how quiet and slow can you be and still be intense um and how can you use syncopation or you know um, rhythm to create dynamics you know they kind of explore full spectrum that way and then um just the uh i think the craft skill and you know showing a bit of their history uh, potentially as players and as as a band um, with both stylistic influences and um, just the kind of overall spirit. I think kind of the hardcore spirit comes through a little bit in this and in terms of like breaking down walls and uh, sort of not, not feeling like it has to exist in some kind of predetermined box. So that's some of the stuff I liked. What about you? Well, this was a band that as soon as I put it on, I 
sort of I recognized the sound. We we've heard this not only yeah. from the bands that we've listened to, whether it was Slint or Fugazi, but also also bands that we just listened to, especially yeah. towards the just the beginning of the two thousands. I wasn't listening to this in ninety seven when it came out. Right. Like by by ninety nine two thousand, I was definitely starting to listen to some of the Omaha bands that were making noise like cursive um and there were there were always bands you know around both on a national level even on a local level that were taking this post hardcore you know i don't know if you want to mix it with emo or not but you know it's a little mathy there's definitely you mentioned prog- the progressive elements that's there was definitely a math rock element of of indie rock or a subset that a lot of bands were playing with and totally picked up on you know what i wasn't expecting anything out of the ordinary from this band after listening to the first like one or two songs like okay i know what this album's gonna be um so then i was like just listening for like how do these guitar riffs work are you know one of the things when they're produced this way with the such cleanliness there's no distortion i mean there's a little bit of like grit but there's no distortion you really start picking out like it's very clean yeah what you know there's a lot of picking uh there's a lot of dual picking where in songs where one guitar you know left and right is they're each doing a picking part and sometimes the bass is is doing something melodic along with that it's a that's a very late 90s early 2000s indie rock move Mm-hmm. Where uh, you just sort of, you know, you build layers of alternating either like arpeggios or or just repeated patterns or motifs within um, these little sections of songs. Often, you know, those would be followed by a big bombastic either blow up or or some sort of build. And it was nice to hear that executed so well by this band. Um, I think part of it has to do with the drummers were often really good, but not showy in the way that you think of some, maybe some nineties drummers like a Jimmy Chamberlain or, or someone like that. So it allows for them to make these dramatic time and tempo changes without tipping the hat with like a big fill, you know, like the way that maybe a Danny Carey would or, 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 um, Joe Crover where you've got like a big heavy hitter drummer. Yeah. I always think of these guys it's playing smaller kits, tighter kits. Um, they're not, they don't have like a bunch of ride symbol. It's not Peter Chris style. Drum kit. <laughs> they tend to be smaller because a lot of them tended to travel in vans. So yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that gear tighter. Yeah. So everything just sounds more compact and more restrained in a way that allows the manipulation of time signatures and dynamics to be much more effective. Um, which I think this band does really well throughout the whole record. Um, there were parts of, you mentioned new martini, like that to me with those alternating vocals had like a no knife kind of vibe to some of it. Um, no knife would obviously get a little heavier with the guitar parts. Um, but I, that was another one of those, you know, you'd have the, the, the vocalist and then somebody shouting in the background. Hmm. That was a very, uh, key part of a lot of those bands sometimes that was me yeah and in hindsight when i was i loved it at the time now in hindsight when i I listened to it i don't dislike it but i'm also like it sounds like the other guy's trying to sing another different song (laughs) (laughs) 
and, and they just resolve to like let them both sing it out yeah i got a different idea for this melody cool you stand over there away from the mic, <laughs> and, the mic. and you yell it <laughs> uh totally yeah I, I i think you mentioned um the drums I, because it, the it, the volume and it's so clean uh a song like on cutting is a good example where man like you can hear the nuance of every snare hit you know on that like he's playing every hit just a little bit different and when you're that restrained and this mix is that clean and you're taking out all that distortion that makes a huge difference like it just starts to bring this like feel and intensity to every single hit of the drum that you don't have if you're everybody's just bashing um so i I, I totally nerd out on that now. I, I don't know if I'd appreciate it at the time, but that sort of thing really connects with me now. It feels like very human and like in the moment. The part that you mentioned, I know you mentioned some uh, surf elements, which I didn't mm-hmm. get that. I mean, a lot of that happened because of the clean guitar because of the way that notes were played um, as a, as a melody over top of whatever was happening with regards to the rhythm guitar um, that happened also with, I remember there was a local band tiara mm. that they would use the big whammy. Yeah. And it would be on clean parts and you would get like these kind of surfy sounds. And what was funny is um, the, in new, new when there is, there's a two guitar parts for, part of the song and the one low part is like if you change the key a little bit that is shine by collective soul like it's that same idea but it's really just like a blues kind of a blues riff which is funny because i didn't i like i clicked in my head like oh that's kind of bluesy and then i learned that like this band kind of got into bluesy stuff after this yeah um, which I would have never guessed that a mm-hmm. math rock band from Boston was going to start incorporating blues riffs into their <laughs> repertoire. Yeah, but you can hear like you you just went through. You can start to hear those things popping out. I'm um, with you. I would have wouldn't have guessed it went that far in subsequent records, but you certainly hear you know the bits and pieces and influences start to pop through. The, did you did you think that the uh the vocals vary to me quite a bit but there is one either singer or vocal approach uh that sounds like Ben Folds? Yes. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure is I wasn't it, crazy. Um I'm trying to remember which song it was. Maybe it was track there. 1 for sure. Uh this this plus slow song the new hangout condition and yes, then the new last song. condition gets very brickish
his tone, something about his tone and delivery was very Ben Folds. Yes. Now it's not like that the whole record, but those three songs in particular that if you'd have told me that was Ben Folds singing, like I don't, I probably would have believed you. Well, because of the new hangout condition, because it's sort of a slower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has it has like Ben Folds ballad vocal sounds. Uh, but yeah, I definitely I definitely picked that up. Definitely did. Okay. I did not have a great grasp on the lyrical content, and I don't think I ever do with yeah. a lot of these bands um, that are are in the post rock, post hardcore space. Yeah. Um, it was almost a, like a lot of the songs felt like unless you got into the real emo end of things, um, these felt like built around the music with the lyric and the melody put on later. So it doesn't necessarily turn into something substantial in terms of like trying to figure out what, if there's a meaning behind the lyrics um, or not. So like things would come and go and I'd be like, does that mean something or is that just because it fits the rhyme scheme? Yeah. Nothing. I mean, nothing grabbed me lyrically and not in a bad way. It's just right. like you said, it, it felt at times not not the focus, right? And it, it, in terms of things that didn't work, um, that was one of them. I just I didn't latch on to any particular song from a lyrical or vocal standpoint or melody. Yeah, um, it would be part. Uh, this is a very short record. This is nine songs. It's thirty minutes. So it almost you know when you put it on especially if you're listening to it in the background, it really just catches you based on like dynamics. Yeah. It punches up. Oh, I'm, it's caught my ear. And then, you know, they'll drop out, do something quieter. But I didn't find myself going, Oh, there's the hook of that song where I yep. didn't feel that with some other bands. Um, I have a hard time you know exactly comparing them to someone else because like i said like you know no knife and cursive the bands that we've talked about do things slightly differently yeah uh, which is probably why you know one of the things i liked about cursive was especially in you know probably the second through fifth albums i'm thinking like um songs of summer and then domestica and then the ugly organ and happy hollow is tim cash is a really interesting guitar player in terms of fusing you know the indie rock sort of song book if you want to put it or guitar book but then also doing some like kind of metalish things every once in a while where you could tell he he has a little bit of a background that's not just um not just what he plays like you can tell there's there's some shred there and um that was the thing that was sort of missing for me here it was always so restrained that i just i just needed something to burst open at some point burst and in I, bloom if you will yeah and i understand that like you know this is on the edge of like slow core and yeah that that's not really what happens there but I don't know. What didn't work for you on the record? I'm with you on that sentiment. It works very well logically for me. When I process it, I like what I'm hearing. It makes right. sense. It seems 
like I went through really sophisticated, I hear backstory that it doesn't connect emotionally in the same way that like you mentioned cursive, for example, there's, there's other bands. Um, there's something about, you know, the restraint is potentially a double-edged sword. It's logically sophisticated and on repeated listens, I think it works really well over time, but you don't get the big dramatic <laughs> moment um, that oftentimes for me is the hook with bands like this is like building that drama and intensity and then right. bringing it back down and just really pushing the limits of that. Like I mentioned earlier, they're very dynamic. They just, they're super dynamic in this quieter, what I would consider a quieter space. They just find more range in the quiet. Right. Then they never burst through by, it, it seems like a very conscious choice to go to that, you know, other extreme. Uh, so I think just emotionally, it, it just hasn't quite gotten its hooks into me. I don't, you know, when I do take my notes on a record, I typically highlight standout tracks. And on this record, I struggle to really separate any track from any other, even though stylistically there are differences mm -hmm. and I can point those out, but there's not like tracks in particular where I found myself waiting for a moment or remembering a part or hook or a lyric or a riff um and maybe just this type of this album would take more time to get to that point even though i you know we put some time into it it just could be that kind of record where it's you know dozens and dozens of hours before you're going to really get to that moment but I, I certainly hadn't got there yet um it just feels like one and it's short to its benefit right it just feels like one piece of work, not yeah. standout tracks. And, I, you know, to compare to a contemporary, The Promise Ring would be an example. We did um, yeah. one of their records a couple of years ago. And I felt like even though, you know, that wasn't like 100% love for that album, there was yeah. definitely elements that I latched onto a little bit stronger with that album. We've also done Braid. Um, which is another band I would put in sort of the same ballpark. Although again, you know, it's a bit heavier of a guitar sound than, than this. So, and I haven't listened to like mineral or American football. I don't know if you're familiar with those bands at all. I yep. just know they're the names. That's it. Um, I've listened to both of those bands a little bit. It's the same kind of thing. I mean, in terms of like my reaction to those bands is very similar to this. So, yeah, I just had a, I had a hard time just thinking this th like you said, sort of thinking this is like individual songs, like it sort of feels like one big performance. And yeah. uh, I very much like the music aspect of the band. I don't know that the vocals work for me as well as I would like them to.
Let's talk about our overall ratings on this record. Worthy album, better EP, decent single. I am at a worthy album. Uh, there's nothing about this that I dislike. There's nothing about it that creates on me either that I want to skip. Uh, I think it's a good record to listen to passively for sure. I could see myself if, if the, as this comes up in the future, you know, sort of in playlists and in my, um, you know, personal recommendations and whatnot, you know, I'll keep the songs on. I'll maybe go back and revisit the record. Um, I suspect I will get more out of it. The more I listen to it, it's so short. It, it, that's, it's a huge advantage. Um, in hindsight now I at the time I don't know if we would have realized it but like in mm -hmm. hindsight li reviewing so many of these records listening to so much music now uh, it really benefits from being only 31 minutes I mean you're just in and out and it feels like one piece of music with movements versus songs and uh, you know I like that aspect of it as well so I'm willing to give it a worthy album. I don't think it makes sense to cut it up in the NEP or single personally. And uh, there's nothing about it that I, I think just overall it's, you know, it's well done. I enjoy aspects of it. I'll listen to it again, probably. And I think it's probably worth, you know, if you're into this style in any way, a band to check out, where'd you land? Well, if I'm just going to passively listen and put this on, yeah, it's, it's a fine album. But if I'm really being blunt, it's probably a single for me. It's probably oh. New Martini and, and, and New New. Hot a, take. A-side, B-side. And it's not that I think the band is bad. It's just those are the only two songs that like really cause yeah. a reaction in me. So I'm going to anger people on the discord <laughs> i'm gonna get yelled at but yeah it's probably a decent single um i don't and I, I don't find anything offensive it doesn't like sound like anything that people shouldn't check out yeah it just doesn't work for me it's just i, missing where, I know element. where you're coming from I, I could i see where you're coming from i think i'm uh i definitely don't think it makes sense to get to an EP with this record. You're either all in or you're not. Yeah. And I'm putting faith into, um, I will continue to give value out of it through like inspiration and ideas and like appreciation for, you know, sort of the nerdier aspects of the record. Um, that's how I'm getting it to an album, you know, but uh, I could see, you know, I've only got so much time left in my life to listen to the music and right. <laughs> how many of these tracks, are, you know, really going to make my, to, 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 am I going to prioritize, you know, I could make the argument too. Yeah. Just give me a couple of them. I get the idea and move on. Right. All right. Well, uh, that's a worthy album for Jay and a decent single for me. I'm sure there'll be some comments about this. Uh, you can send your letters to Jay. He'll handle process ah. processing of all angry letters. I'll, and I'll read them back to you, Tim. Thank you. I'd like to have them read to me on the next episode. Uh, we want to thank everyone who commented, who voted, who contributed to this poll. 
Thanks to uh, Richard, Eric, Willie, Kyle, Dave, Tom, Tad, Scott, and Darren for their suggestions. And thanks to all the folks at Patreon who commented. If you'd like to join us at Patreon, you can just go to dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. That's where you get to vote in these polls. You also get to vote in our... Um, Whenever there's a new episode that uh, one of our patrons has suggested, we throw up a Worthy Album Better EP Decent Single for that poll for people to comment, and then we read those comments on the air. You can be a part of that. You can also, depending on what level you join at, you can pick an album, maybe get a t-shirt, all kinds of cool things. It's just going to uh, dmounion.com. And if you want to be one of those people who suggests a record, you go to digmeoutpodcast.com. Go to the Suggest an Album page, drop an album in there. We've got been getting a couple this week. It's been good. It's a lot of stuff I've never heard of, so it's been very interesting. And it's also where you can go to sign up for the Box Newsletter, delivered every weekend, two new reviews of albums released now, but from artists relevant to the 80s and 90s. And uh, just this past weekend, we had... Uh, Reviews of new albums by The Helicopters, which was uh, their first album in a long time, and the latest Stereophonics. That's uh, you go to digmeoutpodcast.com, you find the box newsletter, you sign up, and that's uh, that's how you get that stuff. It's also a calendar of all the new releases coming out, so you can keep track of that. Plus, our you know, various things happening at the podcast. And last but not least, if you like what you heard, Apple Podcasts that's where you go to leave us some positive feedback. So for Jay, I'm Tim, we're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Dig Me Out.